Hello and welcome everyone to Gunpowder Treason No Plots. I am your DM and host, as always, Adam Cookson, and I am joined by my two returning co-hosts, James Bunkle and Paul Flinders. Hello! Hello. Hello to you both. They will be reprising their roles as Rogar, the part cool, part ghoul, part dragonborn. He and is cool. Well, I mean, that's debatable. He's the cool ghoul. Uh, let's, let's not start this episode off on the wrong foot. Yeah. <laughs> let's not raise people's expectations. Come on. <laughs> Just imagine Rogar walking around now with some of them, like, you know, CSI glasses. Yes. <laughs> Sunglasses, yep. Uh, sad times. And, uh, well, Paul will be returning as Varus, the half-elf Eldritch Knight. Yep. I'm kind of surprised I am um, after what happened in Sardath. Yeah, I mean, well, to jump right into a little bit of a recap, last week you guys successfully navigated and completed Sardath. Yay! You know, we, we set off the party poppers, Bokro came with a keg, it was all good. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I guess I should give some detail here. You guys... Ran around the palace, trying to figure out how to get into the vault. Decided, hey, maybe we need a key. Rogar finally put two and two together and figured out where the key might be. You bolted down to the pit, almost got devoured by some sort of weird undead bone swarm. But you got the key, escaped, got back to the vault, opened it, and hallelujah, there's the idol of Bokrug. Hey. Just at the point where the ghost of Ib decided to start dismantling the palace. Yes. So, uh, I think... Yeah, I mean, I think we can say you guys made the wise choice of taking the idol outside and offering it back up to them. They, in turn, did not smite you, but Bokrog decided it was time to wipe Sarnath off the face of the Dreamlands. And so he did. And probably for the best. Aye. But now, the land of Manar is safe and peaceful. The Dreamlands has had a curse broken, and you guys... Said you goodbyes to Erok. He's going to return to the Ghoulish Empire and try sneak through the gates and maybe come see Rogar on the Material Plane, as he gave him the vial of blood. And Meepon decided to stay with you. You know, continue on your journey. And our ghostly friend, Corin Vess, had the curse lifted and he was able to finally cross over. Good guy, Corin. He was a good lad. He was. Yeah. Helping you all out with his fancy spells. Yep. No gain for him either. Mm. Well, except for leaving. Uh, he was happy enough. Spent yeah. thousands, well, hundreds of years roaming around a palace. He was a bit bored. Yeah, it does take his time, you know. Take his toll after a while. Hmm. But yeah, that's where we sort of left off. So you guys decided your next step was to go hunt down a priest. Someone who is well in the know about all these goings-ons in both the material plane and other realms. So Rogar set his mind to that, and you felt a powerful pull in a singular direction and you set off and you ended up in a blasted wasteland of sharp obsidian rocks jutting towards the heavens gigantic dead creatures that seem to have made their final resting place atop horrifying looking mountains literal seas of the dead that seem to have living things crawling around inside these decaying and skeletal remains like this whole place seems to be a massive perversion of life and death but as Rogar scanned the horizon he saw in the distance a beam of light 
that's calling out to him. And you guys started making your way through. But, you know, we sort of skipped over a day because, you know, we had you guys rest up a little bit. And Hmm. interesting to note that something Rogar would have noticed as he was resting during the day and sort of praying and trying to focus on where this priest may be. There was no nightmare this time. You were out in the open and nothing came for you. Now, whether that was to do with Bokrog's influence, perhaps, but you don't know. But either way, it seems you were safe for the whole day. Maybe Sarnath was the nightmare. Maybe, maybe. But regardless, before we move on, I think we should have a little bit of a uh, little soul-searching moment for the party. So, obviously, Varys is in a little bit of a state, and we actually, one thing I didn't mention is we learned the fate of uh, Paul's first character in the last episode as well, which, yeah, eh, well, that ended interestingly for him. <laughs> Go back and listen if you haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> But right now, I mean, Rogar, as I said, you're kind of spending most of the day in sort of meditation and prayer and focusing on things, but I'm sure there's a lot of thoughts running through your head post-Sarnath. I mean, a lot happened. I mean, what's, what's Rogar thinking? What's, what's going on up in uh, old Grayscale's head? <laughs> well, see, I was, I was having, a talk, having a think about this, like, uh, well, for the past week, really, um, because... Though obviously it wasn't as um, important moment to him as when they defeated Samuel Crenn, it was almost on like a similar scale. You know, if last time, last time Rogar had one of these like reflective moments, he was thinking about how much closer he felt to the ghouls than he did to, you know, to like basically his his old Dragonborn family on the material plane. Hmm. So you know, to to have this to have this victory to get out of there with you know with who he came to find you know he to to you know uh to get meatbone out of there get iraq out of there as well and you know in some way get varus out of there he's become very fond of them all as a group this is like it's like a big it's a big thing to go through this and the way that i mean he fought he fought nick twice and he got his ass handed to him the first time let's be fair here so you know he knew how much of a challenge that was going to be yeah, I mean, for Rogar, a bit of a humbling moment, because there's not been many times in this whole campaign that you guys have uh, hit a serious roadblock in terms of a fighter. The only other one that jumps to mind is where uh, the bounty hunters ambushed you guys and kind of handed your asses to you and you yeah. had to sort of surrender effectively to not die. I mean, Tommy was, I think, knocked unconscious. Rogar was low on spells and already hurting. Solara well, she can't really stand up to a round of combat with no one to stand in her way. So it was all kind of going uh, going downhill quickly, let's say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that that's exactly it. That's kind of the, you know, the one moment where we've had, in an actual combat, we've just kind of had our asses handed to us. The only other one that I can think of is when Rogar ran into Marcel, but it wasn't even a combat. Mm. You know, it, it, I didn't get, I didn't get us, you know, I didn't even get to enter <laughs> initiative at that point. <laughs> Um, you know, so he sees it as something there. He really that wasn't that wasn't really a battle. He couldn't have won that any either way. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you got a distinct impression from Marcel that he he's a tier above what you could fight by yourself. Whereas at least with the bounty hunters, you guys kind of squared up like you could take them on, and they just outmaneuvered you and I guess outstrategized you on the day. They picked at you well when they knew you'd be weak and preyed on that. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I mean, I've come, I've come out of it with a new, not, I don't want to say a new outlook, but a confirmation of my outlook on things. Mm. It's, 
it's reaffirmed his his beliefs as well you know with the because the whisper after all the whispering man has led him on this down this path you know and he's he is successfully recruiting the people that he needs to be able to spread the word and he's making stronger bonds than he thought that he you know that he would so early hmm. you know like like you know it is it is important to him to you know live up to his word and try and try to get Barris back to the material plane to try and help him because Barris didn't know who Rogar was when they first met and you know he fought with him on a on a whim essentially so you know he, he feels like he you know a bit of bit of almost comfort hmm. in, around these people and that they you know they 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 are I don't want to say like a security blanket but in in, in a sense like you know he knows he, he feels like he can rely on them and he, you know me. Beatbone wanted to come along rather than go back with Erok to the the Empire. Again, you know, Erok has no loyalty really to Rogar. Rogar mm. said, I'll get you a piece, I'll get you some, I'll get you some food if you show me where to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that was the extent of their relationship until Sana. It's true. That's the thing. I mean, Rogar's own background was very like your younger years were all part of a clan and like a a big family unit that's sort of an extended family because there's people who are related to you, people who are married into the the clan itself. I can imagine you've gone on quite a journey of having all that stripped away from you, and you found a small family in Tommy and Sophia, but you don't even know those guys that well. I mean. I'd have to look at my timeline, but I think you guys have only really known each other a bit under a month in actual daytime. Yeah, yeah. Um, so even that, like, you know you're starting to make friends, but there's a difference between friends maybe you don't trust with everything and people who you see as family. And I think, I guess, like, in my mind, I think Rogar probably draws a bit of a line between those two things. Like, yeah. friends can become family, like, that's kind of the point of a clan, but that doesn't mean you're always there yet as soon as you on the same team. I mean, Rogar's done a lot of, um, how would you put it, marriages of convenience to uh, get what he wanted. <laughs> yeah, definitely, that, definitely. I mean, you know, the, just, I mean, furthermore on the point, you know, friends don't always have to, you know, they don't always have to follow each other's beliefs so strongly or, you know, have that want, uh, you know, to, to help each other so strongly. And you look at, he he's aware that Sophia's kind of taken up Ansia's mantle mm. uh, after the death of Ansia, and he already knows that he had to be wary of Ansia. Mm. So he he, he feels he knows now he has to be wary of Sophia, though you know the god that she follows may not know exactly what's going on because he is aware that you know the crawling chaos is uh, almost a step above these things, but he still he doesn't want. You know this messing up his his plans his you know him showing his faith his devotion to you know the person that's leading him down this down this path yeah i mean i i kind of imagine and this will be interesting actually in the future assuming you guys survive all of this when the uh, sophia returns to the uh, the party I, I i imagine when you started seeing sophia pick up these bits of like worshiping kalambor and starting to remind you a bit of Anseer and how she was acting and the sort of things she was starting to be able to do. I, I see these little like moments in combat where like 
Sophia casts a spell and you see that like grayish light and Rogar sort of casts a bit of a dark look over that way of we're friends now but there may come a time where we're head to head and whether you want that or not is a different matter but it's, it's those little dark thoughts that you sneak in from time to time exactly uh, you know I mean it's it is a he though he at the moment doesn't want that to come to a head he understands that it may be forced upon him uh, to take you know to take that challenge and it's it's an unfortunate thing but that, that's the difference between family and friends really you know blood is thicker than water and rogar is more i suppose almost more suited to the dreamlands and to the people that surround him now than he is even the material plane this is this is where the ghoul empire is this is where ghouls tend to be and he more than i suppose more, more than uh, any of the races on the material plane considers himself, considers himself a ghoul mm. at the minute you know he's found i don't want to say he's found exactly what he's looking for but he's found a lot of it here compared to you know what he had in the material yeah and you've been i mean rogar's been kind of isolated from other dragonborn for a long time as well i mean you met one at the uh the temple of mistra the uh, the druid who came with you guys briefly who didn't survive yeah. yes uh oh did he survive no he lived didn't he he got back anyway yeah possibly he got back <laughs> i think he got back actually i think he was just shell yeah he was shell shocked at having seen a cost of dead <laughs> a little bit catatonic after that but uh yeah i'm you've not had any chance to re-establish yourself with another clan to interact with other dragonborn i mean part of that you might think is self-imposed because the first thing you did wasn't to go back to the uh the sort of dragonborn cities and try rally an army you kind of took it onto yourself to avenge your clan and whether that was purely your own thoughts or whether things were orchestrated to push you that way i don't know if rogar would even consider that but you've this is like you say the first time you found people you could connect with and it's working out better than we have expected yeah definitely definitely and you know the, sh the showing a willing to follow him into into the fray i mean you like i was i was thinking um today you know it's it's almost once more once more into the breach my friend isn't it you know this this isn't going to be an easy task what we're what we're heading into now mm. and and these guys are more than willing to follow him into into this battle and believe in him as he, as much as he believes in them hmm. yeah, it's a it's a lot of things for rogar to be dwelling on oh yeah yeah, so while, while Rogar's doing all this reflecting, I, I have to think that Varys is having a bit of a different day. Yeah, it's not, been the, it's not been best. It's not been the best day. Yeah, and you're probably quite thankful to not instantly go back into danger, but I have to imagine today is a lot of coming to terms with things. Yeah, it's um, a lot to take in. You, you know, you're... One minute you're you're able-bodied and you you know you're a capable fighter. You can look after yourself. You know you think yourself you're the leader. You know you you could still lead a squad. And then the events of Sarnath happen, and it's yeah he just sees all this decrepit city and all these like well undead con like undead like uh, things. He doesn't know what they are really. Um, it's just like he just knew he needed to put them to the sword and he's never seen anything like it in his life and it's like you know he's seen some horrible shit in his time but nothing like he's 
witnessed in, in Sarnath, and then obviously we got to the palace, and yeah, he got he got, he, he, he met his um, the reason why he ended up in the Dreamlands. The um, well, in his mind, the reason, and he's 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 nemesis in a way, and his nemesis got the better of him, and has changed him for life. Um, yeah, he certainly left you with some some permanent scars. Yeah, he's le- Dr. Nick definitely left his mark on Varys. It's, Varys, obviously, uh, he was, like I say, he was an able-bodied Eldridge knight who could lead a squad. He could, um, he could, you know, he, he was he was a capable fighter. And now he's, obviously, he's not able-bodied anymore. He's missing his left arm. He's had his eyes, well, I can only say he's basically just been destroyed and he's, he's he's reliant on other people now when he in the past has been reliant on himself to be able to get the to get the job done and it's it's not a usual sort of position to be in i mean he he sort of has had to rely on people in a way because he was the leader of a squad and they had his back and he had his but ultimately the responsibility was his because he was leader of that group the sort of Varadin. And in a way, he also feels like he let them down when he found out what happened to them and their fate when he realised that Dr. Nick had used them for his own gain. To what gain, we don't... Well, he doesn't really know, does he? Because we never really found that apart from one attack that he did sort of thing, sort of the... Was it like the... the what was it What was it called again? Oh, the... Uh, the um, Sonorous Whispers or whatever it was called. Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, on reflection... Your best guess is that whatever he did to them, perhaps he did it to survive. I mean, you I, I have to think during this day at some point either Rogar or Meatbone reads you some of the extracts from Dr. Nick's journal. Yeah. And it kind of does paint a picture that he did whatever he had to to make sure that he survived. Like you saw the notes about how why the ritual went went wrong, and you gain that knowledge that well, Nick didn't fuck up the ritual. He was going to betray you, but these things did not happen because of him. Why you ended up in the Dreamlands and why your squad died the way it died was not the intent. Of course, Nick was planning to kill them and yourself, but there is a bit of an open thread there of exactly what happened that day. Mm. So, yeah, there was something that got in the way of it. So, yeah, yeah, he must, yeah like you say, Varys has started to come to the realisation that, like you say, uh, Varys... Well, sorry, Doctor Nick was maybe doing it as survival, mm. um, in a way. But it still, it doesn't forgive him for what he did. A man, you know, a man of his honor, he wouldn't have took down his whole squad to survive the way he did. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know what little Varys does know about magic? Because I mean, being an Eldritch Knight, you're not a scholar, but you do have to study because it's a bit like a you still have to go through basic wizarding. So you know, however Nick accomplished it, it was a a terrible and dark act to tear whatever remained of those uh, men's souls and basically implant them in himself to some degree. Like mm. that's that's going down the road of almost lichhood, where you feed souls to a phylactery. Like you wouldn't know the full ins and outs of things like that, but you know it's like very dark, very terrible magics to even yeah. consider, let alone it be your first response to almost death <laughs> yeah and it, it also makes various question dr nick's past and what got him into this such as it's like you know get him into that sort of field of study shall we say mm. um 
but at the same time, he's also thinking how he can be useful now in this state. Yeah, I have to wonder, is, is Varys the sort of person who is immediately, like, getting his sword out and trying to practice and maybe making a bit of a hash of it, but is, like, spending the whole day doing that? Or are you taking a more measured and careful approach? Are you kind of... Which, which way are you leaning? Well, Varys sort of still wants to think that he can still be effective in combat because that's what he knows, is what he was trained to do. He knows a lot of his spells, sort of like, you know, if he, oh, his playbook, his spells and things like that aren't going to work anymore because he can't see what he's shooting at, in a way. So he's not going to be able to use it, so he's got to figure out what, what can I do. And he, he, he obviously, he can, he can still use Varadin and you know, to an extent, but he's not going to be as effective as he would be because he obviously can't see what he's trying to hit. So in a way, he's sort of, he's sort, he's like, I mean, finding his sword, I guess, in a way, isn't such an issue because he can call it to his hand. Hmm. It's knowing where to swing it, and I guess, I guess, Var I guess, Varys would be learning how to try and use some of his hearing to sort of ascertain where people is, like they're listening for footsteps and things like that. Maybe, or the clanking, or when someone moves in armor, maybe to try and sort of like go, like for example, maybe asking Rogar maybe to maybe take a couple of steps. Don't tell him where he is, and take a couple of steps and try and try and guess what direction he is in. You know, in his heavy armor, maybe something like that, just to try and sort of train his senses in a way. Obviously, that'll take a lot of time, but yeah, yeah, I and mean, it's just that sort of it's that moment of you realizing just how difficult that sort of thing is. I mean. You may have heard stories of like blind mm -hmm. monks that had no sight from birth that were able to do such things, maybe relying on their innate magical energies as monks do. But to try and pick it up in an afternoon is not going to happen. Yeah, but but you try. I mean, I imagine Meatbone helps you a little bit as well. Like, I can kind of I have this picture in my head of Meatbone coming back with a a couple of sticks and sort of handing one to you, and tries to get you to practice fighting with it. Yeah, dueling sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, like training swords. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 I'd imagine that's something he would be trying to do. Um, so he's like, he's trying to figure out where, what his worth is going to be to the party, and he doesn't want to be like a leech, sort of like a cling on sort of thing. You know, relying, relying so much, but he may really, he does also realize that this his situation that may have to be the case for at least a little while. Mm -hmm. Um. But at the same time, he doesn't feel too great about it because he's come to respect Meatbone and Rogar equally. I mean, Meatbone, he's obviously, he just saw him originally as a simple ghoul, you know, just unarmed ghoul. Or, you know, just, you know, he's heard stories, he's met ghouls. I would imagine he's met ghouls in the material every now and again. We'll come across them, maybe. You'd have heard of them as, like, graveyard scavengers, like, oh, we had to chase a, a ghoul away from the... Where yeah. we were storing the bodies, that sort of thing. Like you wouldn't have really interacted with them because if you were in the military, they probably wouldn't attack you unless they had a big force. And they're not. Mm -hmm. There's not that many of them in any one area to pose a real threat. They they tend to, like I say, they scavenge. They they yeah. steal a body, and you'd be like, ah, oh, goddamn it, one of the one of the bodies has gone missing or is unaccounted for, and you might blame a creature such as that for it. Exactly. And through his time in Sarnath and being with Meatbone, he's noticed that obviously you can't judge a book by its cover. I mean, Meatbone is Meatbone. He looks how he is, but obviously he's heard stories of ghouls. They're just scavengers, and you know. But he's seen Meatbone, and he's shown extreme bravery and skill attacking foes without any sort of like, and for and any care for himself. You know, fighting for his allies. 
and that's all you can ask for. I mean, he's been in the military and he's seen people. He obviously he seen people run away in fear, fully art play armor, and, you know, the best weapons that you know that money can buy. But there's Meatbone attacking with his claws and his teeth mm. against these abominations, basically. And he's like, obviously, he's got he's gotten quite fond of Meatbone, you know. Like I said, I think on the last one of these, he's got sort of like a, a newfound respect for Meatbone. It's just grown over time, you know, with, with his axe and things like that. But then there's obviously Rogar as well, where Rogar didn't have to come and save Varys. You know, he's known Varys for, what, maybe two days max? Something like that? I think it's coming on to like the third or fourth day, but yeah, it's not a long time. And he's, he didn't have to come and save him. I mean, Varys got told that Rogar did attempt to save him and initially failed. He got his ass handed to him, which Nick quite handily and quite, you know, told him and mm. kind of rubbed it in in a way that, 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 you know, he couldn't he couldn't save him and that he was quite readily beaten. To Varys, it means more to him that he got defeated and didn't just go, right, fuck it, we'll see you later, we'll leave him. He, he, he what should we say, he regrouped the whole group regrouped and came back at him and defeated him and ultimately saved him and didn't abandon him. And then seeing Varys in his state didn't leave him and didn't abandon him. So Varys has sort of like got this... He, he doesn't know about Rogar. He, he knows Rogar sort of like... He's heard him mention the crawling chaos and this and that. But Varys doesn't understand any of that. He doesn't know about the Whispering Man and all this lot. Varys is just like, well, this is a good man. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Does Varys even worship any of the sort of gods of the material plane? Like, I, you've not mentioned any, so I, I assume you've not really had much of a connection to any. No, of them. not really. Um, he's he's maybe said a prayer, looking up at some random deity, maybe once upon a time, just either as for luck or mm. you know, just for, to mock or something like that. But he's never really he's never really been one of these people to sit down and. Obviously, and you know, kneel and pray to a deity and actually mean it, sort of thing. Um, but he's seen the power of Rogar, and he's like, well, "What is this deity? And there must be something about something to this. There must be." And yeah, Rogar, he's, he's got a lot of respect for Rogar for what he's done for him. And if Rogar's the what he's like, Rogar's promised him to get him back to the material, and maybe you know, get him some treatment. You know, obviously make him. Maybe not back to 100%, but, you know, somewhat of a reasonable state, then he's going to stick with him through thick and thin and be as much use as he can to him. As you both kind of finish this day of sort of rest and practice and meditation and all the rest of it, you did indeed set out and Rogar was drawn in a direction. And as you entered this wasteland and saw this horror all around you, what did you guys do? Well, imagine Va I'd imagine Varys is clinging onto Meatbone, and Meatbone. So I would imagine he's describing to him what he's what's around. Yeah, I think like Meatbone's kind of got his hand on like your um, like on your gauntlet or something, and just kind of leading you forward as best mm -hmm. he can. Like, oh, watch out for this! Oh, pick your feet up. Yeah, Varys is very appreciative of that and sort of like sort of he's sort of like you know when you're walking and you're sort of like lifting your leg up, legs up just a little bit high like making a point to step over something mm. he's pretty much doing that with every step <laughs> so he do <laughs> so to, to, to ensure he's not tripping on something 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think Rogar's probably uh, just a little bit in front of you guys, you know, like almost try, trying to lead, you know, lead you guys down the safest path almost or what he sees as the safest path. Yeah, just scouting ahead of like a couple, like a like hundred yards or something. Yeah, pro- probably not even that far. Probably mm-hmm. like a good, you know, 30, 40 feet maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just uh, you know, Almost, if anything does come out of the out out of the floor or out of one of these bodies or whatever, hopefully it's going to attack Rogar first and he can be prepared. Um, mm. You know, whereas because because he is aware of you know what's happened to you, obviously, mm-hmm. he's a little bit protective, let's say. But I think what I mean, I think what I'm be doing is trying to look for the. Not so, not not even so much the fastest way to the what I'm, to where the light is coming from. I'd be looking for what looks the surest way, mm. if you know what I mean. Because I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing it's quite well, almost rocky, really. Yeah, the, the land itself is incredibly rocky, and as you guys are walking through it, um, Rogar, if you're kind of leading ahead, then do me a do me a survival, see how well you pick a path. It's an 11. 11, okay. So you range ahead a little bit, like you say. You're kind of keeping about 30, 40 feet away from the other two just to scout slightly and draw attention if needs be. And you're making your way through these lands, and it's very rocky, very hilly terrain. There's lots of dips into rather nasty-looking valleys, and at a certain point you notice you're entering a more open area that has these large missing chunks of earth and Rogar, as you kind of get a little closer to them you notice underneath the actual stone you see these large just pulsating flesh is the best way to describe it almost like tumorous growths underneath the earth it doesn't look like anything that's actually alive but you think back to the the skeletons you saw that were like wrapped around in these almost like entrail-like tendrils of life that was feeding on the death. You you kind of get the idea that this whole place is a, a mishmash of complete decay and desolation, but also emergent life. You kind of step back from one of those gaps, and you notice that there's quite a lot in the distance, and you're going to have to sort of pick your way through them. Okay. Yeah. It's, I'm almost not going to relay this back to Varys, because... I don't want him to to panic, really. Mm. Um, you know, like new. I, I can imagine that obviously being being blind. You, you know, things that you don't that you have never seen before. You know, before you were blind, or things that you don't understand can seem that almost that a little bit more, a little bit more scary. Mm. Like. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't I wouldn't want to incite any fear that wasn't that that didn't need to be. And like you say. The, these things, it, you know, it's like tumors that are alive but aren't. Mm. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm gonna step over it. May, you know, I may just mention to, you know, give Meatbone a bit of a signal to, you know, make sure that you get over it all right, but not don't say what it that is, fe- but not inside <laughs> that fear. Mm. If yeah, you kind of give Meatbone the the shush. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you can see ahead like some of these like rents in the ground these holes are like 10 20 feet across but they're they're easily spotable they're not hidden yeah. and you can sort of 
pick a path through them and Meatbone can follow along behind you. He kind of nods when you signal to him and go, like pulls Varys along like, don't worry now, Varys. We're not too far away. Just be careful and stick close. Oh, that's right. Okay, Meatbone. I'll stay close. Let's say it's, it's like, um, I don't know, like, just like a, like a little bit of, I don't want to call it a ridge, but I want to call it like a bit of a, a bit of higher rock that I could maybe run up and like, you know, get a bit of a, better perception around me just to just to see if there is anything else moving out here yeah you can sort of veer off and go up a a little bit of an outcropping you sort of spy one of those um obsidian chunks of rock that's stuck out of the ground that's uh is not quite as vertical and it'd be easy enough well difficult to train essentially to climb up there slowly but you can get up and as you look into the distance you see that beam of light and it looks Closer, but do me a do me a general perception check. It's an eighteen. Nice. Eighteen. Um, you see in the skies around the areas to both the uh, left and right of you, and a little bit in the direction that you're going. You do see flying creatures quite high up. Um, you take a guess that there may be hunting grounds nearby, as they seem to be flying in packs and circling, and then occasionally swooping down. They are a good distance away from you guys at the moment, probably about six, seven hundred, maybe even thousand feet away. I was just, I was just thinking that they, obviously they must be quite sizable for me to be able to see them. Yeah, some of them are actually quite big. You can also see some smaller dots as well darting around too. But yeah, some of these are definitely. Uh, well, if they land next to you, then you would be uh, looking up at them. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might want to be avoiding those areas. Yeah, I, I, I think I know what they are, but I, I, you know, just because I've, I've I've seen things come from where you know come from around. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't. Brogar's seen a, a fair number of flying things, and I'm going to assume they're not as big as dragons. But you know, you never know. So um, I keep 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 you know forging ahead. Um, you know, if I have if I can't see anything moving on the ground around here, I'm. I'm pretty confident, but you know, it's it's still it's not the easiest thing to to move your way through, almost. Mm. Okay, so you kind of crawl back down and continue on this trek in between these like broken open bits of land, and as you guys travel a little bit longer, you start to notice a red, smoky sort of hazy mist begins to rise out of the earth all around you. And it's not long as you're traveling through this that you... It's almost like you've walked into a fog cloud, which makes it a lot more difficult to sort of spot these holes in the ground. And Rogar, uh, do me another perception. 14. 14. As you're kind of walking through, you almost walk directly into one of those holes. But this time, you notice it's not got flesh underneath it. It's got this strange greenish liquid, quite a dark green. It's sort of bubbling. Oh, okay. I'll just let, uh, you know, I'll, again, I'll, I'll give I'll give Bone a bit of a signal. It's a... Have I got... You know, is there like a... You know, could I drop, you know, maybe a piece of rock into it? At all? Certainly. Yeah, you could pick up a bit of rock. Yeah, I'll pick up a bit of rock and just drop it in. I just want to double-check if it's, like, corrosive or... You find a... a decent size, sort of fist-sized chunk of, chunk of stone, and you lean over the edge and drop it in. It drops about five feet, and as it hits, you do hear a, a sizzling sound as the rock sinks beneath the uh, surface of the liquid. 
Okay. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, again, I'll, uh, you know, when I signal it to me, I'll just, uh, you know, be sure to let him know, obviously, what, you know, what, what I've, well, I don't want to say discovered, but what it is, really. Okay, we will be careful. Come now, Varys. Come, come. He sort of still slowly leads you around these things, like, <laughs> do not stray too far away, Varys. I'm clicking onto it for dear life. Yeah. Um, as I say, you continue on then, all towards that light, that even through this red mist, you can just sort of see this hazy beam in the distance. But Rogo, what you also start to notice around you is these little floating lights in the mist. They remind you a little bit of when the, uh, the flaming spheres were appearing in the fog cloud. You kind of get this weird shadowy effect from the light. They're much smaller than them. They're more like uh, about half a foot in... Uh, diameter but you start to see them around you right um i might i'm thinking i might uh hmm. I, I don't i don't like the fact that they're moving around me because i don't know what they are clearly so i might what I might do is i might cast i might try casting minor illusion you know um and just cast that you know as far as far as i can in you know in front of me Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, just to see if just see if they're you know attracted to that. What are you uh, What are you trying to do? Uh, I'll cast an illusion of um, well. It's, it's, I'll cast I'll cast an illusion of. Can I make like a person? I think I can, can't I? Can you make a what? Sorry, like a like a like a what looks like a person. Uh, I think you can make a very bad looking person with minor illusion. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm not I'm not I'm not too fussed about it being like a. Being perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I just wanted to cast something out there and just see if if these floating orbs go anywhere near it. Okay. You know, just see what happens. So yeah, I'll, I'll do that. See see what they do. Okay, you do that. You um you create like a a rather small shaky image of a person just yeah. in the distance, and you know the lights seem to react. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The only thing to do is keep moving on. You know the the the. I'm guessing these things haven't appeared aggressive. Nope. You can just see, like, he's like, you don't even know really what they are. They could be torches. They could be creatures. They could be uh, a random campfire that's been left. It's hard to tell through this, uh, through this persistent fog. Right. Um, I guess I'm just going to have to carry on then. Okay. You know, um, keep moving forward. Um, just, just, keep an, just keep an eye on them. Just, you know, see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So you continue forward, and eventually, Rogar, the mist thins a little bit, and you can finally start to see more than like a couple of feet in front of you, and you see a small rock, and there's a humanoid figure sat on the rock, currently turned away from you. Oh. Uh, hmm. I'll, I'll hold my hand up, in almost so uh, me and Varys stop some, some way behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, can I do? So, can I just see the outline of this person? I can't see them properly. Uh, from this distance, yeah, you can just sort of see a, a hazy outline of a person, and they seem to be sort of sat, partially leaned up against a uh, small bit of rock. Hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use message because I can see because I can see them. Yeah. So, and you know, I'll, uh, I'll just say, are you friend or are you foe? See, see what they say. That's what I'll put in the message. You hear back as the figure stands up and turns to face you. 
You hear back. I think you decided that long ago. The mist fades a little bit more, and you can start to pick out the person. And you see a a heavily armored woman. She has a long, sort of heavy-looking bastard sword that's engraved with these, like, glowing runes. And you can see that she's wearing a tabard that's sort of black and silver. And on the front of the tabard, you recognize the skeletal hand clutching a pair of scales that signifies Kalimpo. Motherfucker. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll I'll pull out Eclipse. Mm -hmm. And just be like, uh, I'll just kind of almost give give it almost a side eye and be like, and what brings you here? The figure reaches up to their head and takes off a helmet they were wearing, shakes out some long hair, and you recognize Sophia. Oh. <laughs> she in the bed. She attaches the helmet to her waist and points the sword at you. And I can't do an impression of Sophia, because for whatever vocal range I may have, I can't do impressions of anyone. So I'm just going to go with a generic voice. Okay. <laughs> oh, I think you know you brought me here. Rogar is laughing Varys asks who is it so Varys you're a little bit ways back so do me a perception check would you yeah there we go 20 20 Um, so you can't really make out what's being said you can hear these like whispering voices Meatbone stops when he sees Rogar pull out Eclipse and he kind of Hold you back a little bit, Barris. Uh, obviously, you can try to break away and run over if you want, but at the moment, no, Meatbone no, seems no, no, to no. suddenly become very cautious. Um, as you kind of like strain to hear Meatbone all turn up to you and go, I'm not sure what's going on, but Rogar has pulled out his blade. I'll do the same, but I'll just whisper Varadin. And uh, your sword appears in your hand. <laughs> Rogar, do you reply? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh... After after I control myself from laughing, um, <laughs> so you you think I brought you here, yeah? So if you were the Sophia I knew, there's there's none of this going on, you know. And to be honest, I haven't done anything to you. You think Kalemvor's eyes are blind to what you've been doing, Rogar? When I say you've brought me here, I mean your actions. Do you think you could just disappear off and no one would notice? I've spent every waking hour with Halson training. And you know what? I've had enough of training and I am here to finally confront you. I considered you a friend, you know that? We did incredible things together, but I realized I was blind to what you were really doing. And Kalimbor has given me that sight now. I see through your lies. I see through your deceptions. And I'm going to put an end to it all right here. <laughs> she runs towards you. Um, and I need you to roll initiative. All right. I'm assuming that's me too. <laughs> ah, yep. You can embarrass. You can roll initiative as well. Let's get yes, you on the board. 13 from me. Okay, that's uh, 19 from her. Eep. Train her Yeah. Just get my initiative track sorted. Barris, what were you? 10. 
And let's get Meatbone. What's he got? Ah, Meatbone has a 12. All bunched together. Just like we like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so Sophia runs towards you with this sword drawn and with a 28. Does that hit? Uh, does that hit? <laughs> really? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I thought it might. Uh, okay. You take... That's uh, alright, you only take five points of damage. Okay. So as Sophia just charges at you, you watch those runes on her sword start to glow with this grayish energy, and she just slices down across you. You jump back, pulling Eclipse up, so you blunt some of the damage, but she just manages to slice you a little bit across the chest. And you feel the impact against your armor, and it just bruises a few ribs underneath. And she's going for a second attack. Uh, 25? Yeah. Okay. You take 10 more points of damage. Okay. This time she sort of spins around and hits you in the stomach with the hilt of the sword. Okay. And Rogar, it's your turn. Uh, yeah. So uh, with my turn, I'll cast Shield of Faith on myself. Okay. And say, and uh, as I swing it over with Eclipse, I'll say, you want to see what real power is? And uh, I'll take a swing with Eclipse. And that's a 26 with 16. And I'll stick a second level Divine Smite on it. Okay. What's your total damage? So that is a grand total 28 damage. 28? Nice. Okay. She so crashed down with Eclipse and she sort of dodges back a little bit. And you explode some nasty amount of divine energy in her direction. And it just, that greenish light washes over for a moment. But you see, like, her armor glows with that gray energy of Kalampor and seems to blunt it. Oh, okay. Um, I'll take a take another swing at Eclipse. That's a twenty-three with a twenty-three with fourteen. Mm-hmm. Second one comes around again, and again it doesn't do quite as much damage as you expect. And Sophia kind of grimaces at you and goes, "I will not let another person fall to your corruption, Rogar. This ends here." And that's your turn up. It is. Right, so Meatbone's up next. Um, he's actually a little unsure what to do. Um, he's going to look up to you, Varys, and go, Roka seems to be having trouble with something. Um, I can't really make out what it is, though. Should we go help? Varys thinks about it for a second and goes, As long as you point the direction, go. Okay. Just drop me here. Okay, I will let go, but straight line ahead, okay? And he kind of okay. starts galloping in that direction. And it's like some sort of loping gait that he has. And he's going to run up next to Rogar. And that's his turn. Varys, what are you doing? Now, Varys has got a way up, does he? Because he knows the direction they're in now. Mm-hmm. Can he guess? Obviously, he's heard, I'm assuming, the swords clash. Can he make a perception check to guess the distance? You can try listening out, yeah. Yeah? 16. 16? You hear Rogar grunt in pain. But that's all you really hear. Would I know roughly, like, direction-wise? Yeah, straight ahead of you. Now, do I cast an AoE roughly, like, net near where Rogar is? Um, Cause it's, yeah, because it would, it would mean I would be, in effect, attacking you and Meatbone as well as Sophia as well. Um, I think it, that kind of depends on how Varys is reading the situation, I guess. 
you know, if Varys thinks that that's the best thing to do, then that's what Varys would do. Right. Yeah. Well, in that case, I think, I think, I, I think to be honest, I think Varys needs to let the battle sort of develop. So what he's going to do is he's going to cast a spell, but it's only going to be a cantrip, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be um, Blade Ward. Okay. So you uh, put a hand to your chest and you sort of summon a bit of what magical energy you still have, and you feel slightly more protected. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, you're going to run up next to Rogar? Uh, Are you going to wait? Yes. I guess so. Um, just to get me melee range, I guess. Because mm-hmm. I, I can still do battle magic, can't I? So I can still sort of like do a normal action and cast Blade Ward. So. True. So, yeah, I might. Well, you can that. still take a swing. Yeah. Not a normal action. But, uh... Well, yeah, that's what, that's what I meant. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll do that then. Okay, so you run up and take a swing? I'll move up. Yeah, if I've, if I've got enough action, if I can do that. Yeah, if I can move up sure. and do that, I'll take a swing. Why not? Cool. Roll a disadvantage. 23. Nope. Ten so that's with advantage. Oh, my bad. Advantage that's disadvantage. Oh, my bad. I'll re-roll it. Sorry, my bad. Disadvantage. Submit. Sorry. 9 with 11, so that's a no. Alright, so you, you rush forward, you bring out uh, your longsword, and you just sweep in front of you, but it doesn't seem to hit anything. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. That's it, yep. Yeah, and it's uh, Sophia's turn. Sophia puts her hand to her breastplate and she lays it on that symbol of Kilimvor and she just suddenly glows with this divine energy that washes over you, Rogar. Um, Make me a dexterity saving throw. That's a massive nine. Okay. Uh, You take seven points of damage. Okay. As you attempt to drop to the ground and uh, not quick enough this time around, it seems. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. Rogar, it's your turn. Oh, and uh, as Sophia does that, she just goes, Let the holy light of Kalemvor cleanse you of your evil, Rogar. I'd rather laugh at her and uh, just say back to her, And let the darkness of the crawling chaos eat you alive, bitch. And uh, take another swig at her. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a 22 of 12. You swing and hit nothing as she dodges out of the way. Jesus. Right, okay then. And uh, I'll take another swing at that. And uh, miss. Natural one. uh, Natural one. Yeah. She dodges both attacks just easily. That's slutty. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And I'll I'll leave it at that. Rogar, do me a wisdom saving throw. Okay, that'll... um, I'll... uh, Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to re-roll it. <laughs> okay, I'll use my amulet. I'm re rolling that. I don't know. I'm not having this. It's a 16. Uh, well, it's a 16 then. Okay, moving on. Fucking hell! <laughs> um, Meatbone. Meatbone goes. And Meatbone yells out to you, Varys. Ah, uh, Varys, I do not see anything. Oh, so she's gone invisible. Oh. Rogar, what you see is Meatbone run up next to you and take a swing at Sophia and he misses and she kicks him in the face and knocks him to the ground. Oh. Varys, it's your turn. So she's just 
I've decided to go down. I've had an idea, I'm roughly, I can imagine I've got an idea of what I've heard where she is. You don't hear anything except Rogar grunting in pain over and over again. Right. And you heard what Meatbone yelled at you. He can't see her. She's in my head. He's in my head. Right. No metagaming. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I know. <laughs> well, Varys would know that. So Varys wouldn't know that, so Varys would take a swing. Varys is thinking... He, Varys, he, Meepo has just told him he can't see her. So what Varys is going to do, he's going to cast the biggest AoE he's got that he can do right in front of him but keep us out of danger. Mm-hmm. And that would be Thunderwave. So I'm going to cast Thunderwave. It's a 15-foot cone, so I will cast that just directly in front. Okay. So you uh, punch your hand out, mutter a few words, and it's a 15-foot cube, by the way, not a cone. Oh, is it a cone? Just oh, so you know. Okay, yeah. cone. And you mutter a few words, and then this just thunderous wave of force sweeps out. Uh, Rogar, you notice... Varys stood next to you, cast a spell, and Sophia holds out her symbol of Kalembor and completely nullifies it. Interesting. The dark magic of your friends will not help you, Rogar. This is your reckoning. And Varys, that's your turn. Yep. Um, Sophia's turn. Rogar, make me a constitution saving throw. Hang on, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to use my Mark of Mordigan to re-roll that. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm still not going to pass. I've rolled even worse. Natural two. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Sophia reaches out with her uh, free hand, touches your face, and you suddenly feel drained, and you take nine more points of damage. Absolute slot. And I want you to make me... Actually, no, that's it for her turn, actually. That's it. Right. Question. Did I hear Meat shout out anything? No, you saw Meat attacking just get bodied. Um, well... You're up, though. <laughs> well, I'm thinking I've got to finish this. Ooh, delve into my bag of tricks and see what I've got hanging around, uh, if anything. No, no, okay. Take a swing. Okay. It's a 26 with 13, and you know what? I'm going to stick another divine smite on it. Okay. Uh, so, oh, nice. Uh, so that's a 26 in total. You swing Eclipse around and that Divine Smite sort of explodes against Sophia's own sword. And this time you watch as the runes glow and all of that Divine Energy just seems to get completely nullified. What? <laughs> is, she, is she taking the normal damage, though? She didn't seem to be that affected, to be honest. She's kicking your ass. Um. You take your second swing? Uh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I've all got six. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take a second swing because that's what I'd do if I only had six seconds to think. Um, so yeah, I'll take a second swing at her and miss. Yeah, you uh, try to recover with Eclipse, but she just parries it away easily. And Rogar, make me a wisdom saving throw. Oh, 13. 13, okay. So, it is Meatbone's turn. And uh, so, Meatbone can see you just taking damage, Rogar, and he looks up and he sees like a bit of blood trickling out of the side of your mouth. You're grunting in pain over and over again, but he can't see anyone attacking you. He's going to yell to Varys and go, Varys, I'm not sure what is going on. Rogar is in a lot of trouble, but 
I, I can't see anything hurting him. Hmm. So, is there any, there's nothing, have you been hit by anything? No, nothing. And that's his turn. Right. Varys, you're up. Right, well, Varys, obviously there's nothing in front of us, so he knows how there's nothing there. So, Varys is going to try and put two, to two, two and two together, realize there's something going on inside Rogar. Um, so, he's going to try and wake him up by... Well, he holds his, he searches out of his hand. Will he be able to touch Rogar where he is? Yeah, Rogar's right next to you. Right. Um, he, 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 he grabs his shoulder and sort of like reaches up to his face and gives him a quick slap across the face, sort of like to try and like bring him round. Okay. Rogar, we take the wisdom saving throw with advantage. Oh, oh. 23. 23. You see Sophia spin round and start to send this holy sword towards your face. She's going for the killing blow, and you have no way to stop it. But then, as it gets close, it turns into a, a hand, and it smacks you on the side of the head. And you see Varys kind of like swinging wildly at you. Your vision clears, and Sophia isn't there, but you're just sort of on your ass. Meepo is looking at you, concerned. Varys is kind of like swinging in the air where you just were. Yeah, I'm still, still, I'm still slapping. <laughs> <laughs> just hit again. Just hit again. Did it work? I am, I am literally like, what the fuck is going on? Roka, are you okay? You looked in terrible pain. I was in terrible pain. But you just got kicked in the face. Miko so... shakes his head. He's like, no, Roka, I, I came here and you were just yelling out in pain over and over again. Right. Tell me now, you, you two both saw that monkey bitch. Yeah? You know. Uh, Roka, <laughs> I can't see anything. Yes, I mean, Varys is blind, but I didn't see anything. I'm telling you now, there was the, I'm telling you, there was a woman in armor. Sophia, oh, you've not met her. She, she's filthy. She's very, very dirty. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 thunder, I cast, I, I cast thunder wave. Did that hit anything? Uh, no, um, she seemed to be able to absorb all kinds of like, well, what can only energy, really. Did you see that, Beepo? No, you, you cast your spell. It damaged the ground and nothing happened. Roga, are you okay? There's something wrong. Um, uh, well, quite, quite possibly. I think this might be a bit more of a psychological test than a physical one, maybe. But I'm, tell, I'm telling you now, there was a, a, there, there, there was a very unclean person here. <laughs> <laughs> Rogar, do me a, um, oh, I'd say either a medicine or a nature check. It's probably the Ooh. best I can give you on this one. We'll go in nature. 19! 19. Nice. You're looking around and you think there's something very unnatural about this mist that you're in. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to turn to the dudes and say, right, well, we've got to get out of the mist. There's always these funky mists hanging around. <laughs> so you guys kind of make a double time out of there. Yeah, I'm clinging on to meat bones and wrists like I don't know. Yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll probably be helping Varys as well because I want, you know, I want us all to get out of there. So, you know, if I can give those guys the help action, then I will do. Okay. So you guys just run forward sort of hell for leather for a bit to try to get out of this mist. And eventually it does start to thin. You only now see it in little patches near um, where some of those uh, holes in the ground are. And... It looks like as you've run forward through this path, as the mist was obscuring your vision, you've ended up in a bit of a valley. On both sides, you can see these like, large outcroppings of rock and 
like behind them they raise up into like full mountainous areas but ahead of you you can still see that beam of light hmm. um, getting any closer seems like it's getting closer yeah hmm. i mean i'm still i still want to, i want to carry on you know i want to press on still heading towards that beam of light i'm convinced that's well where where rogar needs to be and where rogar needs to get to um mm. you know i'm a bit more wary of the the mists now as well um you know trying to avoid those areas but i want to i want to you know still looking to try and make a beeline towards there okay are you so you're walking forward at this point okay um i just need to roll something hmm. never never a good thing <laughs> no it's not a good thing oh god Rogar, are you still ranging ahead, or are you three guys all together now? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go my 30, 40 feet in front. Okay, Rogar, as you're walking ahead, trying to uh, pick the path through, just too late, you hear the slight fluttering of wings. Shit! Oh, as no. three completely faceless creatures with black leathery wings that almost resemble a bat swoop down from the rock outcroppings and head towards two of them heading towards Varus and Meatbone, one of them heading towards you. And oh, I'm gonna show you a map and we're gonna roll initiative again. Hey. Oh. oh lovely. So uh let's get some initiative in as three things that you recognize as night gaunts. Yep. Head towards you. <laughs> I knew that's what they were. Oh Man. Oh, God! A massive <laughs> oh, natural one! There we go. Oh, we've got 18. That's like the highest Varus has ever rolled. And I think it's the highest I've ever ro- rolled full stop. Uh, yeah, and you can't hit a damn thing. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, that's a natural 20 for my night glance. Eight. And uh, 10 for Meatbone, so he goes just before Rogar. Yeah, so I had to roll a natural 18 to get that. Yeah, these things are just... Oh, God, Rogar knows about these things. You do indeed. And, well, one thing you do notice, Rogar, these are smaller than the one that you interacted with that flew you around uh, House Landrin. But they look uh, still fearsome as their sort of faceless, horned uh, heads kind of quizzically study the three of you as they swoop down with these long claw-like fingers. They're almost like stretched out. It's very elongated uh, features and proportions. And well, they go first. So let's see how we do. First one is going to go after Rogar. Text with its claws. 12? Does not hit. Sad times. Second one is going to swoop down on Blind Varus and attack with advantage. 25. That's going to hit. Okay, that is 11 points of damage, and you are grappled and restrained. Lovely, so I can't do a thing. (laughs) Oh, you can still do things, but you're grappled and restrained. Hell, you can't get any more disadvantage. You're already blind. (laughs) I was going to say. What's the difference between grappled and restrained? Uh, Grappled stops your movement. Restrained, I will read out for you. Yep. It's Similar, but a bit worse. So, restrained. A restrained creature's speed becomes zero, and it can't benefit from any bonus speed. Attack rolls against the creature have advantage. Creature's attack rolls have disadvantage. And creature has disadvantage on saving throws. So, for you, pretty much normal, but you can't move. And now you have disadvantage on deck saves. Wonderful. 
Well, it would have made sense they were being blind anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it wraps these long claw-like fingers around your arms, Varys, and you can see its wings start to flap. And the second one is going to go after uh, Meepo. And it gets advantage because it has pack tactics. Oh. And with a 21 and 9 points of damage, he hits and Meepo is also restrained. Varys, your turn. Right then, I am going to... Can I sort of like point my finger sort of like up in the restraint? Because he's starting to fly up, fly up isn't he? I've noticed. Seems to be preparing, but I mean, you don't notice. You feel uh, a gust of wind against your face, but right, um, currently he's holding you. Right, do I try and just do a strength check to get out of it? Because I believe that, that would be a strength check, wouldn't it? It would either be athletics or acrobatics to escape. Right, I'll go after to try and get out then. It will use your action. Yeah. So, acrobatics or what? Athletics. Or athletics. One or the other. Yep, I shall do an athletics check. So... Yep. 14. 14 is not good enough. Darn it. You struggle in this thing's grip, but its fingers just seem to grow like tighter around you. Wonderful. That'll be me, won't it? Uh, yep, that's your action. Unless you got a bonus action you want to use? Uh, I don't believe I have it. I do. No. Okay. Um, Meatbone then. He will also try escape. So let's see what he gets. Ah, Meatbone does manage to sort of wriggle free and drops back to the ground. That is also his action. So he is yep. no longer held, but to embarrass you. Are. I'm still a. Rogar, you're up. I'm trying to decide would Rogar know if these Night Gaunts were working for the Whispering Man or not? Uh, you could do me a religion check. I'd give you that. You've seen them enough times. Okay. Um, yeah, I will, I, will, I will take that. 24. 24? Um, you have definitely seen the Night Gaunts in the employ of the Whispering Man multiple times. Um, these creatures seem to, as far as you're aware, follow orders from such entities, either the Great Old Ones or the Outer Gods themselves. They, I'll say this with your other check, you, you know a little bit about them with the 24. You yeah. know that they tend to attack in flocks, like these ones. Um, this is actually quite a small flock, so you're a little bit lucky. You know that Night Gaunts generally don't try to kill their victims. They try to hamper and frustrate them and put them in dangerous situations. Hmm. They also tend to guard places as well. So they're stationed to like watch over areas. Okay. Um, and how far away are we from the light? Are we still quite a distance? Um, it's actually really hard to tell. You're definitely getting closer to it, but... It could be over the next ridge. It could be uh, a mile away. You're not certain. Okay. <sighs> it's just in between. Would I let it take me? or Because I'm a big dude. And this is a small night going... See, I can't cast a whole person on this thing. Um, It's not a person. It'd be hold monster is what you want. Yeah. See, because we've got... <sighs> See, I've got no guarantee that it's that it, it it's working for who I think it's working for. It could work for anyone of that nature so to speak mm -hmm. can i can i can i use message to ask it Ooh, you could do i'm gonna do that i want to use message and ask who do you work for okay so you cast message and ask it who does it work for um it cocks its head at you a little bit this weird almost completely smooth faceless head kind of considers you and goes we work for the messenger can I respond, or is that the end of my turn? That's the end of your turn. It's an action to cast. 
Yeah, I thought it was, but I didn't. I didn't know if I could just like point to the symbol on my head or not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Is that your turn? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that's the end of my turn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that means it's top around in my night gaunt's turn, and Varys, you're uh, you're grappled, and uh, first things first, you feel these long, strange fingers start to. The best you can describe is tickle you. Oh. And you need to make me a constitution saving throw. <laughs> An eight. Hey. Um, <laughs> you are incapacitated. Please, I can't do anything. <laughs> Until the start of its next turn. So, I'm sorry for this, Maris. <laughs> oh god, no, not more! But oh, it flies wow. you towards the acid pit and lets go and drops your incapacitated body into it. Oh, great. Meatbone is going to take an attack of opportunity, but he hits, does <laughs> six points of damage to it. <laughs> that, so that doesn't stop it just flying over there and dropping you in. I'm, I'm assuming I'm dead. Uh, not yet. You're going to take some damage. It's a big <laughs> pool of acid. That's its uh, 20 feet. And fun thing about these things, the um, Night Gaunt speed isn't halved by carrying or dragging a grappled medium or smaller creature. Wonderful. So it's going to keep flying. Oh, God. And it's just going to fly away. <laughs> and, uh... It's pretty much what they're doing to you. <laughs> Night Gaunt's um, assholes. <laughs> that's oh shit I rolled really well that's 30 points of acid damage as you impact into this pit <laughs> and sink below it for a moment oh wow would you have any idea what's just happened um, you briefly felt being in the air um, you were incapacitated so you were sort of struggling to move and your body kind of felt heavy and limp and then all of a sudden you got hit in the face with water that burned awesome can, can, you even, still... can you even get back out? I'll be incapacitated. I can't move. Yeah, you're incapacitated to the start of the night gaunt's next turn. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I, might, I might be teleporting, lads. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> poor <sex> <laughs> you poor bastard. You poor bastard. Oh, well, that was night gaunt number one. Um... <laughs> That gaunt number two is going to try his luck on Meatbone. Oh, absolute assholes. <laughs> 13, so he misses. So... He's also going to fly away. <laughs> <laughs> and the third one is going to attack Rogar, see if you can get him. That's 20. Um, Is it just grabbing... Is it just taking hold of me, or is it actually... It's attacking you with its claws, but it will grapple you. Fucking shield. <laughs> <laughs> its claws hit against your uh, magical shield and decides you're not worth the effort and flies off, which means you do get an attack of opportunity. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having a swift bastard. Oh my god. Uh, a 28 with 16. 28 hits. You do 16 points of damage to it as it kind of silently flies away. Oh god. Absolute bastard. Um, shit. Uh, can can uh, can I help get Varys out of there or not? Well, we're still in initiative. Varys, it's your turn. 
Uh, you're blind play. and sinking into uh, an acid pit, and you're incapacitated. So yeah, that's my that's my right turn. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you're gonna take a bit more damage. Oh well. Just to uh, read for you here, an incapacitated creature can't take actions or reactions, so you could move. Oh okay. You can try and move towards the edge. Would would, would I know what direction that is though? Um... You wouldn't. You have to move a direction. In uh, fact, I'm do you gonna... want to randomize it? Do you want a D four? I was gonna say I was gonna roll a. I'll yeah, roll. A, I'll roll a d12, and whichever number it appears on is the number on the dial of a, if that makes sense. Yeah, so sure. 12, Go for it. twelve being straight ahead, six being straight down. Okay. So a two, so I would move sort of that direction. But you are still in the pit because you can't take an yeah. action to climb out. Yep. Yeah, so I'm there. Okay, and you're going to take a bit more damage as you uh, start splashing your way towards the edge. You feel this acid burning against you. And you take 19 points of acid damage. Eep. Wow, I rolled. So uh, that initial damage, when it the first contact is 4d10, the follow-up damage Eep. is only 2d is only 2d10, and I rolled a 10 and a 9. Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't like virus, does it? Uh, Meatbone is up next. He is going to run over and try to pull you out. So... Um, He's going to make an athletics check to try grab your arm and start pulling you out. This is going to fucking fail, isn't it? Natural one. <laughs> oh, God. I'm tempted, to say, you... I'm yeah. tempted to say you pull him into the pit. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> you... Oh. tries to help you, and as you grab onto his arm, a bit of rock gives way, and he falls into the pit as well, and also takes... Oh, no. Wow, I wow, I rolled the complete opposite. Ten points of damage. I rolled a three, a two, a four, and a one. Oh. oh thank God. Um, well, keep a meatbone. However, that was Meatbone's action, so Rogar, you're up. I'm gonna have to try and pull them out of the fucking pit. Oh no. Um yeah, I'm gonna try and pull them out. I'm a strong boy. So I'm ho I'm hoping you might allow me to well, try and get them out. Hang on, wait, which pit are they in? Oh shit, they're in a different pit than what I'm looking at. <laughs> um, They're in the pit to the south of where you are, for our uh, listeners at home. Can, can, can I get them out? <laughs> You're 30 feet away. You can run over and try. Yeah, I'm going to have to try. Uh, okay, yeah. make me an athletics check. Which one are you trying to save, though? Well, Varys, because he's okay. taking more damage. That's a 22. 22. With a 22, you don't fall in. You see the bit where the uh, the rock fell away from Meatbone and you grab hold of Varus and just yank him out with your uh, magically enhanced strength. Varus is out of the pit. Uh, and then I'm assuming Meatbone's going to take some damage and then I'll try and pull him out. Yeah, so uh, actually Varus's turn comes around first. Alright, okay, fair enough. Yep. Um... But I don't know if Varus can really help him. Varus is going to hold out an arm and then fall in because he's a div. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna know Meatboat's fell in, so could I sort of sidle up to the edge? You Would can. Um, Make a look check. I'll tell, I'll tell Rogar to, to like to tell me to when to stop. Would that be possible? I'll say this: if you reach for him, given that you're blind, I'll say this is a athletics check done with disadvantage, and if it's a natural one, you're going in the pit again. I can't just stay there and do nothing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to risk it. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to roll an athletics check with disadvantage, I guess. So athletics, disadvantage. 
That's nice. Jesus. With 22 with disadvantage. Wow. Yeah, I have a plus six, to be fair, so. Yeah. So you do manage to just grab a hold of Meatbone and pull him out of the pit. Yeah. And three of you are just sat on the edge, two of you covered in acid. <laughs> <laughs> ah, what did I fall into? R Rogar is shaking his head like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, that's, that's probably the best role I've ever run, done that. <laughs> Easily. Uh, Night going to dicks. Night <laughs> goes to our dicks. Um, the trolls of D&D. I'm just, just going to say to both of them, if you can heal yourselves up, I would suggest you do it. I believe, <laughs> actually... Let me know. Um, <laughs> I've, got, I've got one last application of Ketone's ointment, don't I? Uh, you do have one left, yes. For some reason I've got two written down, but I know it's one. So, mm -hmm. so I'm using the last uh, last one. So okay. It's two, so it's two D eight plus two. Go for it. So that would be eleven. Okay. You have your second wind as well if you want to use that too. Yeah, I could do actually. Oh, yes, you do, yeah. So eleven. So that would be eighteen. And what's the uh, second wind again? So I think it's your hit dice plus your fighter level, if I remember correctly. Should be yes. on your character sheet. I think it is. Yeah, something like that. Second wind, heal 1d10 plus level mm -hmm. as a bonus action. So 1d10 plus plus what? 7. Plus level, so 7. So d 1d10 plus 7, so that'd be 12. Okay. So you uh, apply the last uh, little bit of ketones ointment, sort of rub it into your acid burns, and uh, feel a little bit better after getting your breath. Meatbone yeah. didn't take too much damage. He's not feeling too bad. He kind of rinses the acid off himself a little bit. Kind of pours out some water from a water skin, gets it off his uh, off his body and off his armor. He's not feeling horrendous, and I take it you continue onward. Yep. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Clinging on to Meatbone again. <laughs> keep keep an eye out for them fuckers. Yeah. Keep an eye out for the Gamite Gaunts. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, do you guys want to do perception checks? Yeah, 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 yeah. Skills. Oh, I can't do a perception check, can I? <laughs> <laughs> I just realized. <laughs> Natural 20. So 21. Uh, you do beat their stealth. You do see they are. there are numerous ones hiding up in the cliffs, but they mostly just seem to be watching you. Uh, it's hard to tell when they don't have faces, but you feel like they're probably laughing at you. And I am flipping them off. <laughs> you dicks! <laughs> um... Yeah, so you continue on, and you travel for a good two hours before you finally come to what appears to be the edge of a cliff that drops down, and you see before you the source of that light that's been guiding you all this time. You look across, and you see a colossal black pyramid. Oh. 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 You look out and you see the drop is probably about 150 feet down. The cliff would be climbable if you wanted to try get down there, but it's up to you guys at the moment as you stand overlooking this. I don't know how Varys is going to get down with one arm and blind, so... Well, I do have the Wand of Featherfall. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it says it recharges 1d3 rolls. Yeah. And um, you used two yesterday, so used... you would have... You've had a day, so you can roll... One D three and see how many you get back. Uh, my only thing is um, there isn't a D three option. Uh, just write slash roll D three. 
Or roll a d6 and half it, by the way. One. One. Okay, so you got one charge back, so you're set at two charges on the wand. I'm just imagining you casting Featherfall on Varus and just pushing him off. (laughs) 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 That that is going to happen. And, well, I I can also cast Featherfall uh, as a level two spell. Um, Couldn't couldn't, uh, Meatbone climb down? Um, well, he could do. I mean, I could climb down, to be fair. The pair of you can climb down. The cliff doesn't look that like... It's not like a sheer drop. So right. It's climbable. It's just... It would be difficult terrain and you would be exposed if something attacked you. Okay. I'm pushing Varys and I... I I'm just going to walk up behind him and just go, see ya! And shove him as hard as I can <laughs> as, as I touch him with the wand. Oh, the fuck? Varys Wilhelm screams as he falls down the cliff. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and me and Meek can climb down. Hmm. Okay, so the two of you slowly make your way down. You eventually find Varys at the bottom. And you see where he's landed? He's about five feet away from these black vines that are covering the entire land leading up to the base of the pyramid. It's about 600 feet of vines. Whoa. Just networking out of her. They actually look like almost like veins, but I say they're black and just crisscrossing all over the place. Uh, Rogar, do you go help Varys up? Yeah, yeah, I'll help him up, but um, yeah, uh, that would be my action, wouldn't it? Yeah, you walk over. Uh, Rogar, as you walk over, you see some of the vines start to retract. Hmm. Okay. Um, so bringing Varys and meat with me, I'm going to head into. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to head into the vines, you know, uh, you know, walking towards the, uh, the, the pyramid. But, you know, I want to, I'm guessing these guys want to come in. I'll, I'll, I'll probably leave it up to them if they wanted to follow me in. Varys says, I've got, I've got nowhere else to go. I'm with you. Yes, let us go. Okay. So, yeah, I'll bring them, I'll, I'll, I'll have them with me as we head in towards the uh, pyramid. Okay. So you pull them sort of close to you, and as as you lead the way, the vines continue to part, almost as if it's opening up a path towards the pyramid. You notice behind you, they're already closing up, so as you move, it's almost like a little circle of bare rock that just opens and closes as you move, and you steadily and carefully make your way towards the pyramid. As you get closer, the size of this thing really starts to hit you. It is... It's difficult to fully perceive as you get close to it. There's almost some sort of strange distortion around it. Like it's both bigger than you could ever expect and further away than you could ever expect. But you do seem to be getting closer to it as best you can tell. As you finally reach the end of the vines, you look out at the base of the pyramid and all along the bottom level, there are archways that are open. No doors, no nothing, just archways into darkness that would lead inside the pyramid. As you're trying to take all of this in, you hear a voice from inside. Rogar McLeod, once clanless, we have been expecting you, pilgrim to the crawling chaos. And that's where we're going to end the episode. No. Is that just Rogar that hears that, or do we all hear you all hear it. Oh. So Varys is obviously... Oh, obviously I know we ended there, but Varys is what the chaos is now. <laughs> He's heard it a few times now. Oh. Uh...
Fun times. Uh, yeah, I know. Fun. I know where I am. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. I hope you both enjoyed. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun little jaunt to yes. uh, a brand new place. Oh. I want to say thank you for joining us, everyone. I hope you enjoyed. And uh, if you want to chat to any of us, I am on Twitter at, at @treasonno. And if you want to uh, get in with all the goodies and lore and pictures and things like that, we have a WordPress website at Gunpowder Treason No Plot and a Facebook group at Gunpowder Treason No Plot. In addition to that, if you want to listen to us on any other podcast uh, provider, we're on all of them. So go check them out. And I will hand us over to my uh, co-host to say their own little goodbyes as usual if you've enjoyed hearing my voice as much as i enjoy hearing my own voice you can find me on lost art podcasting and lost art wrestling podcast they're available on all good podcast providers and you can follow them on twitter at lost art podcast and at l-o-w podcast and maybe one day you'll find me in the red car cafe on red car business state in preston lancashire the uk Soon returning to an EU near you. <laughs> and you can also find me on those amazing podcasts, but you can also find me on the UK RAD Live podcast. We're on all the good podcast catchers out there. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter at UK RAD Live. No, just at UK RAD Podcast. But you can also find me as my alter ego, Steve, as Steve AOT GTMP on Twitter. And yeah, some shit out of Will and Sue. Um, <laughs> Mainly involving Rogar. <laughs> Sometimes Sophia and Tommy, though. Well, you have to spread the love around. Absolutely. And, uh, well, thank you for joining us, everyone, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. See ya. See ya. Well, hello there. I'm Dr. Evil. And my minions and I were wondering something. Are you evil? Does it bring you great satisfaction when you see somebody trip? Do you frequently plot the demise of those that have wronged you? Do you associate more with pop culture villains than you do cliche heroes? Does just looking at a do-gooder make you go, Ugh. Are you looking for a podcast featuring other like-minded villains who speak about any and all things evil? you answered yes to any of these questions then I have something very very special for you a necessary evil podcast part of the Necropoticon network we eat drink and sleep villainy our podcast has everything from villainous plots to tips and advice on how to become a better villain so come on over we'll leave the door unlocked and I might not even booby trap it this time Thank you to Sirenscape for some of the music and sound effects that you heard within this podcast. They do amazing atmosphere and music, so make sure to check them out at www.sirenscape.com. Epic games need epic music.